Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We're coming to the end of our pre-screeners. Looking, looking at that horizon. Yeah, getting it's, nervous. <laughs> it's this one and next week's episode, and that's the end of the line, right? Are we going to get? Yeah. Is this a ten-episode season or a twelve-episode season? I thought it was a ten-episode season. Uh, if it's anything like the last one, it will be. I'm going to take Maybe. it over to Memory Alpha, and I'm going to I'm going to do some research on this. I wonder if there's something so world changing about the 10th episode that they didn't want to release it they didn't want any any spoilers to leak out perhaps the presence <laughs> of a doubt they said uh, we're gonna send those guys some screeners this time we're gonna do them the favor they've been begging us to do them this entire time but we're not gonna yeah. send them that 10th episode because it's got the doubt in it so i am seeing this is a 10 episode season which means yeah just two left which Good. This I love this show so much. I am going to miss it when it's gone in the off season for sure. Yeah. Well, it's already been renewed for a third season, so uh, nothing too big to worry about. It's crazy. I'm already seeing air dates for the wow. third season. As in, no like, way. It's gonna according to Memory Alpha, it's gonna premiere uh, twelve thirty one twenty twenty two. That's that can't be the case. That's a fucking TK 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 placeholder date. If I ever yeah. saw one. That smells suspicious. Yeah. Let me see. What would, would uh, IMDb have a be likely to have a date? Maybe of a real app. I mean, this is great pod. We should just be looking things up on the show. <laughs> yeah, looking things up that anybody could look up. Right. All they have is 2022 on on IMDb. Man. So. Oh, I mean, we get what we get. We're lucky to have it. I we don't get upset. I, for one, <laughs> after we do the next episode, I'm going to see about getting a screener of the finale. We got to do that, man. We're, we're screener worthy now. So you think you're sponge worthy? You're going to be the guy that asks? No, I'm going to ask you to ask because <laughs> the screener person at Paramount is familiar with you. There's an existing email thread. I don't want to yeah. jump in the middle of that. I guess so. I hate being the person that's always asking for a favor and never... I guess I, I need to like reframe the way I think about it. They get they get screeners out to members of the press and also idiots like us. That's their job. This is benefiting them, Ben. Like, I, so. like, I know this is crazy to think about. We're doing them a favor with this show. What the fuck? <laughs> what, it's a crazy ass favor. It's not the favor they asked for. We, but it's the one they deserve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the dark night of favors here for sure. Wow. I mean. I like our chances is what I'm saying. They've, okay. they've been very good to us so far. It seems they have. Is it too early to just jump right in? Should we, should we get into the episode? I don't think it is. I'm really excited to get into it. I don't want to spoil the big reveal. I think this is my favorite episode of Lower Decks. Whoa. That I've ever seen. Whoa. <laughs> I love this episode. And I can't wow. wait to tell you why when we discuss Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 8. I... Comma, excretus. Warp me, baby. 
I wonder if you are in this writer's room, if maybe something you do every day is come up with a cold open. Like, I feel like you want more cold opens than episodes to just throw to in case you need right. them. Because sometimes the cold open relates to the episode that follows. Sometimes it doesn't. It seems like yeah. a totally different creative exercise to come up with this self-contained thing. And this is something you and I actually ran into while recording a crossover episode with our friends from uh, Dead Pilot Society for the Max Fun block party. We were both, we both like came to this episode together and we were like, well, how do we start this? It's, it's <laughs> difficult to start an episode of any kind, I think. Yeah. And that's that why blank it's, sheet of paper. Yeah. The empty timeline in your audio recording software. This is the problem that the Marin Open that we do quote unquote solves, right? <laughs> you don't just start the episode. You got to start the episode before starting it. It is a interesting challenge. And I think that this kind of feels like it's the Cheers playbook that they're running. Like what is like a really tight joke we can run at the top? Mm -hmm. And if it impacts the episode, that's fine, but it doesn't need to. Right. And it's something Cheers always did great. Right. And when this show chooses to have a cold open, they're good at it. This particular one is like the shortest pitch ever for a show open, right? Like what if we did open water on Star Trek? <laughs> and yeah. that's what we get here where our core four are working on some some kind of satellite and the Cerritos gets called away, forgetting yeah. Our, our characters. It did sort of smack of municipal road repair crew where there's one person with their hands down in the hole doing the work and three people standing around with their arms crossed watching. I mean, regardless of, of what's happening there, you got to slow down. Yeah. Slow give the them cone space. zone. Yeah. You can't just warp right through the cone zone you like can't. Captain Freeman does. I wonder how much wake there is on a starship when it goes to warp like this because yeah. Cerritos is so close to them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like port speed when they're in space dock, right? Yeah, so that has to be a thing. I feel like there has been some talk of like, you don't want to like warp too close to the atmosphere of a planet at some point. It's sort of like boating rules, right? You don't want to, you don't want wake turbulence. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to accidentally blow all of the breathable air off of the surface of a planet. Yeah. It wouldn't have just ended the cold open. It would have ended the show if by going <laughs> to warp the Cerritos blew our four characters off of the satellite. But as it is, they were just left behind for six hours. Which is like pretty arbitrary given the fact that the Cerritos was off to do a temporal anomaly thing. I mean, it could have been any amount of time <laughs> or no time at all. How many hours would it take for you to panic and then lose hope? I think six hours is such a specific amount of time. I really feel like you'd go through every possible emotion in that <laughs> amount of time. I think the second I saw the bright spot of light in, in a deep distance yeah. as the ship went hyperspace, I would fill the pants part of my <laughs> spacesuit up. <laughs> and then that six hours would just be me, me squishing around in them. I would be a terrible astronaut for that reason. I'd be filling my pants all the time. Some magnet boot protocol humor here. <laughs> this all could have been avoided if you'd followed protocol and signed out your magnet boots. When, when he said that thing about magnet boots, I was like, show me those mashed potatoes episode. I want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this show calls back everything else. I full on expected a scene like that. 
I might be honestly more upset if there's a mashed potato thing in Lower Decks than if there's a Kevin thing. <laughs> That's maybe what I want to cosplay at the next convention. Just whisk sticking out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. And you've like you've like put makeup on your face that makes it look like your face is made out of mashed potatoes. Oh, I wouldn't need much makeup for that. <laughs> You're already having, the right complexion. You just it's just a textural thing. I've been having a pretty bad face month. <laughs> <laughs> Captain is trying to stay positive about this, but Mariner really jumps down her throat, calls her out on the carpet for treating lower decks people as expendable what mean expendable and uh they get in a bit of an argument about like who has the harder more stressful job and the captain's position is that it is hers that is harder i had a lot of questions about what direction the show would go once mariner's family secret was revealed and yeah. a scene like this kind of puts a lot of those questions to bed. Like, this is just a professional argument. This is not mother-daughter shit here. This is lower decks versus senior staff. Yeah. It's not an issue. It's lower decks versus senior staff without the pretense of asking permission to speak freely before you say it. <laughs> right, right. They're pretty mad at each other, but Captain Freeman is like, listen, we got to set this aside because there's a drill instructor coming from Starfleet to test the crew. And uh, we got to put our best foot forward so that we get high marks. This drill instructor is Pandronian, a kind of alien that can split into three parts. Probably yeah. very fun to have a fling with on Ryza. <laughs> you know, they're hitting all the spots. This one is Shari Yen Yem, your friendly Starfleet drill administrator. Voiced by the, the great Lennon Parham, very funny actor. I, I thought the character was written in a very funny way. The person that goes around and gives presentations in a corporate environment that kind of isn't a comedian, but kind of imagines that they have some funny things about them. Yeah. The, the performative consultant vibe here is something that pervades the entire episode. The fact that she refers to herself as this one the entire time. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Get that out of here. Yeah. So what's going to happen is they're in a cargo bay that has been fitted out with like Jeff Goldblum's The Fly <laughs> booths that are all mini holodecks. And each one will run a simulation that uh, will test the crew's ability to respond to a challenging situation. But curveball, Adam, the lower decks are going to be tested as upper rank officers and the officers from the bridge are all going to be tested as though they are lower dexes. I love how this episode is constructed really beginning from this moment. Like as soon as you have questions about how things work, they're almost immediately answered. Like we got scoreboards above every one of these pods. We have rules in place about what they're trying to do. We have consequences for failure to these games. Yeah. Uh, and, and like we are right into the action almost immediately. Like Mariner gets right into one of these booths and we're ready to go. Yeah, I loved seeing the, the scoreboard with all like the last names. And one thing that hit me as we panned around the room is there's a Springfieldification effect that has happened with this show. There are characters all through the cast that we've met before and yeah. we like know kind of what their deal is. And they don't have to have lines in an episode to be present in an episode. You see Kayshawn, you see Jennifer, you see all of, all of the characters we're familiar with in here. 
And it is something that an animated show can do so much easier than a live action show. Like when Discovery has had like the entire crew gets together for a thing, it has been like noticeably missing crew members that we want to know what they're up to. And uh, this show does not have that constraint. It is a really low-key superpower for an animated series. It's something I would not have considered outside of a show like The Simpsons, even. Yeah. But after a little more than one and a half seasons, like the tapestry of this world is being woven together in a way that in a scene like this, when you look into the background, you're recognizing everyone there. And even characters that we haven't seen speak. There's continuity from episode to episode, so they could get the, like, lady that is blue and has weird little gills coming off of Mm -hmm. her face. Like, she could have an episode in season three that is, like, a big deal, you know? Yeah. Mariner's mirror universe encounter is the first experience in this mini hollow suite. And it is a pretty efficient way to teach us how this is going to work. Yeah. Deviating from the program results in a lower score. All right, I get it. Yeah, you're not exactly rewarding creativity. So it's not like a jazz horse kind of open world simulation. Like you really are kind of walled off into what the program wants you to do. She tries to walk through a door and immediately gets points deducted for thinking outside the hollow suite. We also meet mirror universe versions of some familiar characters. Yeah. Uh, I wondered if... Real life Jet is not as great as we had been led to believe. Does Mirror Universe Jet, in fact, rule? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, especially given Prime Universe Jet is fine. He's fine. (laughs) Yeah. The opposite of being fine is ruling, right? (laughs) Guess so. What is Miglimo doing in the transporter room just as a place for him? (laughs) I was confused by that. It seems like uh, whatever his species is, is treated a lot more like the Kelpians in the mirror universe. He's got like a bondage mask on and does not seem to be sentient. (laughs) We get some very brief scenes with some characters here, ending on a scene with Boimler, who screams at Mariner like Donald Sutherland in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I love this moment. (laughs) And a fun variation of the Boimler scream. Tendy's test is what to do about a Klingon that wants suicide because he's broken his back. Another uh, familiar scenario for any TNG viewer. And hard to know what to do. So her first instinct being to uh, no but gets gets points removed. But when she tries to yes and with a, a hypo spray, she loses points for that too. He wants to do it with the knife. It's so great how this moment plays into how difficult it must be to kill a Klingon, even when a Klingon wants to die. Even when they want it. Yeah. I love this moment. The the smashing of his chest, yeah. like as an attempt to kill him, but that is it, instead pumping his heart. Right. It's like a accidental CPR that brings him back. And uh, I guess he is paraplegic now because of a peanut. Guess so. That's how easy it is. And we see the the like leaderboard just full of failed scores at this point. And it doesn't it's not one one shot and you're done cuz Mariner is mm-hmm. now in an old west simulation that looks very much like a fistful of datas. You're as handy with a shooting iron 
as you are with a woman's heart. Computer, and program. It feels like this episode could be dangerous, like for all of its potential. That is dangerous potential in the way that the bar trivia episode of this season also failed to fall into the trap of, right? Like yeah. you have all of these vignettes and all of these possibilities to ring very familiar bells for people who are enthusiastic about Star Trek trivia. And it does a great job in choosing which vignettes to to show us, right? Like I, I would say the Rutherford vignette of playing out the Spock box scene of Wrath of Khan was like as close as it got to utter fan service. Remember. But it was such a delight in the variation it chose for that moment that I thought it was just great. It was just so well done. Yeah. It increased my respect for Spock while also making me laugh at its proximity to a fistful of data references while also just having its own good internal jokes about Rutherford being super excited that he figured out to use his shoes as of gloves. It made me want to go back and watch Wrath of Khan to figure out the continuity of when Spock put on the gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's got a uh, cut to the wide shot yeah. when Rutherford fails. He doesn't get in there in time. Yeah, I loved seeing that old ship, even in cartoon form. I loved seeing the old uniforms in cartoon form, man. Yeah. Boimler's draw of programs is the most repetitive. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I think this is a big amount of fun beginning here. His is Borg Encounter. Oh yeah, that's right. Boimler's the Borg man. And it is in this scene that Boims reveals himself as a video game completionist. He wants to gather <laughs> all the herbs in Skyrim. The score yeah. he gets upon surviving and succeeding in the mission is fine, but he is out there to get 100%. And so as he keeps repeating his program, there is a rapidity to this that coincides with a tempo change in the score, that coincides with the rapidity of the edits, that yeah. just builds and builds and builds, that is just so satisfying comedically. It's great. You made a point on a recent episode about what care this show has taken with treating the Borgs as a thing that is serious danger mm -hmm. in the universe of Lower Decks. And I, I think they do a great job of spending a lot of time in a Borg's environment in this episode without tampering with that issue. Right. Maybe the scariest moment of the entire episode is Mariner's next program titled Naked Time. <laughs> it is not only naked, but it has slapping sounds in it. Like, <laughs> and that is a detail that will haunt my dreams. Keep your hands to yourselves. Hey, oh. that's an anus. The spread eagle... Naked Boimler yeah. will haunt mine. <laughs> yeah. Boimler has been given the black bar over his junk a much greater than zero amount of times <laughs> in this series. It's kind of his thing at this point. Yeah. His, uh, his hanging dong with the, with the censored bar over it. Yeah. The restaurant is not where I want to go to get it on. But I guess if, you, if you've got naked now disease, you'll take it wherever you can get it, right? Right. Yeah, a lot of easily cleanable surfaces in the bar, probably. That's why you want to do it in there. Do you think that this was also Steven's test 
that like <laughs> they crossed over and Stevens just got a drill that actually took him to his happy place. Stevens would never want to leave. It would be funny if Stevens's was the other pod that was still going throughout the, the entire episode, not just Boim's. And they never referred to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, this made me laugh. This was this was really Yeah. Really funny. When we see the exterior of all of these pods, we can't help but notice that the entire ship is failing. It's bad. Yeah. After a day of testing, you want to go get a meal with some buds. And in the captain's ready room, the betas minus Boimler are having an incredible spread at their meal. They're having like Moule Marnier and pasta with pesto and crab legs and different fancy Belgian beers, it looks like. Whenever I see a purple crab claw, I'm thinking nub and bug. And I know these weren't <laughs> nub and bugs that they were eating, but I wonder what would happen if you did. Hmm. What if nub and bugs are delicious? God, I bet they are delicious. Can you imagine what a treasure trove Remick's torso was? <laughs> Toward the end of... Uh, that episode? Mm, num, 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 num. Yeah. Oh, do eat up, Picard. Raise your hand if you want seconds. Hey, don't overphaser Remick. When Star Trek Picard was announced but not out yet was when I did that audition for hosting the official Star Trek podcast. Pause for laughter. And I interviewed an executive and I said, a friend of DeSoto made us a Sculpey nubbin bug like a like a modeling clay nubbin bug that i brought to this interview and i revealed it to him and i said i know that you're probably already in production on star trek picard but what my theory presupposes (laughs) is that it should be all about resolving the unresolved thing that was set up in conspiracy adam this is something i really want to see lower decks address i agree yeah no one's talked about it i want to find out what happened to them Bring them back. It seems like fairly low-hanging bug when it comes to, like, can we get a whole season out of a concept? What does Lower Decks do but make jokes out of extremely gory moments, like a Remick getting blowed up? You could blow up 10 Remicks in an episode of Lower Decks and get away with it because it's a cartoon. You could make a dead air joke of blowing up Remix where it like starts funny and then it stops being funny as more and more blow up and then it just like goes on long enough that it becomes funny again. I'm here for that. Look, if too. if Lower Decks get look, if Lower Decks gets its seven episodes, fuck. Hit me. <laughs> again. <laughs> hit me. If Lower Decks get it again, hit me. <laughs> If Lower Decks gets its seven seasons like it rightfully should, that's got to be in one of them. It's got to be in there. Give us nubbin bugs. Yeah. But don't you dare fuck with Kevin. Yeah. No, that's ours. (laughs) I've come around on it. I feel ownership now. Okay. So this scene with the remaining three is one where we realize how difficult it is to undergo this type of testing and all of them wonder where the hell Boims is in missing out on this feast. And that's because we get another vignette of scenes with Boimler where he is kicking ass on his mission 
in that kind of stoic way where he is like not feeling any joy from his success. Again. Your score is already in the I top said 10%. again! He's like king of Konging the yeah. Borg scenario. <laughs> and the subtle variations between every passing test that he does, the additive quality of what's yeah. happening here with every score increase is making it funnier every time. He's saving three babies. Uh, I can do better. He's saving four babies plus two adults. Right. Again. Hit me! He's saving five babies, three adults, and blowing up the cube. Hit me! All of these things are possible outcomes in this puzzle, and he still hasn't found his way to 100%. A lot of action with the Lower Decks crew. It's at this point we finally catch up with the bridge crew to see how they're doing. And I think the reason we haven't been with them very much is they haven't done anything. They're yeah. kind of relaxing in the in the bunk bed area and collectively just really enjoying their time with so few responsibilities. You know, this scene kind of had me worried a little bit about where this episode was headed because I was wondering if it was going to be a the upper classes have what they have because they deserve what they have and the lower classes you know don't deserve it mm -hmm. as like a message and this sort of like implies that a little bit they're like oh like look at our easy lives like sure we have shitty bunk beds and the showers are crowded but no responsibilities it's it's great to be us yeah i mean fortunately and i would argue obviously this is not a show about that because we pivot right into just how difficult it is to be intentionally kept from the central thrust of any mission to yeah. And this is something we've wondered about a lot through all of our coverage of Star Trek. Like, what happens when all you're doing is hearing a banger? When the reason for a banger is a total mystery to you. Yeah. And all you know is that it knocked over all the crates that you've been meant to stack up. Yeah. It is a really interesting argument they're making here. And it is something that they feel as, as the bridge crew. Have you ever been to, like, a... Uh, a winery and seen the like stacks of barrels where they age the wine i have and and the and the round barrels are put into sort of like these these wooden yeah clasps like yokes that uh-huh but it but they're just stacked on each other and yeah. the thing that i always wonder is like in an earthquake are you like talking about millions of dollars in inventory just like falling over because they weren't strapped down at all i think you are and I mean, I'm looking for floor drains everywhere I go. Yeah. That's floor just, drains are that's not... That's just your instinct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those... I'm not finding very many, and when I do, they're very small in rooms like those. Mm-hmm. You're going to be up to your knees in wine in a situation like that. I mean, that doesn't sound terrible. No. Anyways, while Qs and Klingons are attacking the ship, the upper decks are stuck stacking up crates and, and being treated like assholes, and Sherry Yenyem is maintaining her chipper demeanor, but announces that the crew is doing a really bad job overall on this set of drills. This is the moment where she gathers them together on a mission where both the lower decks and the bridge crew can work together. They're still going to maintain their flip-floppy roles. Yeah. The lower decks 
folks are going to be the senior staff on on this bridge mission. And I love the video game sensibility of this. Like she she begins another program, and it actually is a title screen, <laughs> and it's the starship escape from the third Star Trek film. You even see the Excelsior chasing the Cerritos in the like little diagram of what the game is going to look like. My only gripe about this scene is that we don't get to play the game with the crew. Like I wanted to actually do this. It was tantalizing as a concept and to not get it was the only disappointment. It made me wonder how much access they have to old material. Like could they have cut to the bridge of the Excelsior and used dialogue from the search for Spock to get like that fucking pencil dick captain saying a couple of things? He tries to get away with warp drive. He's really in for a shock. I don't know. I mean, I got to believe he's picking up the phone, right? Yeah, that would have been fun. Anyways, the infighting kind of spoils this mission. They they fail this test because Mariner and Freeman are at each other's throats over who has the harder job and who has the shittier deal on board the ship. And Sherry Yem has pretty much defeated the Cerritos crew. We cut into the Cerritos bar where Freeman and Mariner are kind of licking their wounds. Like, there's some admission here about how difficult these drills have been and how they recognize how difficult their their corresponding jobs are on the ship. They yeah. have a greater appreciation for what the other person does. And I mean, I, th- I think the thing that separates them is that Freeman isn't haunted by her crate stacking, whereas Mariner is seeing naked shacks wherever she looks. Yeah, that naked shacks butt. It, we get several scenes in this episode of that. It's like uh, every time she comes around a corner and she sees shacks, she's like, Daddy? Sorry, Daddy? Sorry. <laughs> Daddy? Sorry. Daddy? Sorry. Daddy? I mean, and I mentioned the last episode was the sexiest episode of Lower Decks. Boy, did you I were speak wrong. too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a very, like, Mr. Rogers realization because they look up across the bar at crew cohesion happening before their very eyes. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Sherry Yem Yem was tricking us into seeing how heavy lies the crown and how hard it is to be a lower decks and having mutual respect because where, you know, responsibility is one kind of stress, hard Physical labor is another kind of stress, and and we share the load. Where's that tri-bodied little trickster? I want to shake her hand. This is something that you've observed episode after episode, Ben, which is like a a quality to lower decks is the is the switcheroo. You think you figured it out. You think you've been given the gift. You think you've gotten the promotion, and so forth, and immediately, the tablecloth is pulled out, and all of your glasses come shattering to the ground. They go to talk to Sherry and Yem and they're like, hey, listen. That metaphor made zero sense. What the fuck was that? <laughs> what was that? Hit me. <laughs> Do it again. Hit me! And before you know it, your car is in a ditch. You, you're on your way to vacation and you just like crashed your... Oh, that was so fucking dumb. So stupid. <laughs> what is me. this like? What is it like, Ben? <laughs> Hit me again. Do it again. Hit me. It's like you're biting into your fajita and it's full of human hair. Oh. Ah. <laughs> yes, this is a, yet another hair fajita, Ben. 
I told you about the hair fajita, right? No. I'm sure I've told you about this. I, I, unlike many other episodes you tell on the Greatest Gen family of products, I'm positive you have not told this story before. My great-grandmother lived in Oklahoma. Oh, that's fajita Par- country right there. My parents and I were, well, you're going to laugh when you hear where the, the fajita was from. My parents <laughs> and I were going to visit her, and this was in like the mid-90s, maybe early 90s, when McDonald's had a fajita on the menu. I've, uh, I've blacked that out. I can't believe we, that. We're, we're going from, I want to say, Oklahoma City to Miami, where, where my great-grandmother lived, and <laughs> there is the biggest McDonald's on planet Earth which is a three-story McDonald's that straddles the highway. There are, there are pull-offs on either side of the highway, and it's a building that is built over like a four-lane highway. Oh, that's fun. And uh, we went in there. I, I opted for the fajita. And when I- Yeah, it, yeah because there is, n- there is not a more Ben decision about food <laughs> than Ben ordering a fajita at McDonald's. I was a little kid. I've always no, been but, this but way. you've always been that kid. <laughs> And uh, I I bite into this fajita and literally like I pull the base away from the piece in my mouth and there are like 50 human hairs connecting the oh. piece in my It was like an intentional amount of hair, not an accidental hair. Somebody put a whole bunch of their hair in a fajita. Oh, that was, that is so gnarly. Yeah. Let me ask a question, a follow-up question. <laughs> you front loaded the story with with the specter of the Grammy. Was she the one who placed the order? Like, here, here's why I'm asking. My grandma was a great lady that I uh, I treasure the memory of. She was a nightmare for retail and fast food employees. <laughs> and I'm wondering if if whoever made the order, not that anyone deserves a fajita full of hair, obviously, but was there yeah. some kind of interaction that would foreshadow a fajita full of hair situation? Well, Mama was, I don't know if I ever went to a restaurant with Mama. She was a a home cook of uh-huh. of the first order. Like right. she was the kind of home cook that had- She was growing her own hair for the fajitas. She, she had like the brick of butter that wasn't the like, it wasn't a stick of butter, but it's what, it's how big four sticks of butter together. It's a pound of butter. And and not margarine butter yeah. on a plate in the middle of her kitchen table at yeah. all times at yeah. room temperature. And yeah, she went through knows it. What's up. Yeah. Like like it didn't go bad before she was done with the butter. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> room temperature butter is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's it's one of the greatest substances available to humanity. And I get it so seldom. Just butter in the room. Oh, I I love stuff. it. We're a butter in the room household. And when yeah. we keep it in a crock, we're not monsters. But no. room, room, if you're not keeping your butter room temperature, what are you even doing? What are you What are you trying to prove? I keep it in the fridge, but like when I like, there's... are you using that weird butter comb to to get your butter off? Like, how do you even use it when it's that cold? I do occasionally think ahead of time and pull it out of the fridge half an hour before I'm gonna use it. You're a better man than I am. I mean, <laughs> and I could I, I could say that Miriam times. Um, throughout the entire history no, of this Adam, show. No, you're a better man. But holy shit, I've the next time that I remember to take butter out of a fridge would be the first time I've remembered to do that. <laughs> I just so, like all of my bread products shredded, Ben. That's how I prefer it. That's how I like it. Mm, mm. Shred that fucking shred biscuit bread. and 
and stick it in a fucking bowl with with an unbroken cube of cold butter on top. That's the way I like it. Yum, yum. (laughs) I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So Freeman and Mariner are talking to Sherry Yen Yem. Sherry Yen Yem thinks that they've caught her initially. Yeah, there's some fun with expressions here. Yo, Sherry Yango Yango, 
We figured you out, girl. You did? But they haven't caught her. They, they don't know what her real game was. That's right. She was there to disrupt the entire scene in such a way that the crew gets reassigned. And she does this not because she hates the crew of the Cerritos, but as a form of self-preservation. She wants to make her job seem necessary. The thing that she explains is that when she does this sort of testing on the Galaxy-class style ships, everyone passes the test with flying colors. Yeah. And people have started to talk about whether or not there is a utility for a person like her in a job like hers. And this is an ugly scene that emphasizes what many of us who work or have ever worked corporate jobs have known for a long time that a consultant is often brought in by a feckless manager who doesn't have the gramba to make decisions <laughs> themselves. So they bring in a consultant to make decisions for them. And, and the problem is a consultant is not there to solve anyone's problems, but their own. They're there to yeah. make, I mean, and look, like I'm not saying consultants are inherently bad. And I don't think that every person who is a consultant is a bad person, but like the track record is there. And so many decisions about their utility are evil or stupid or both. And this is another yeah, or, episode. Or designed to justify yeah. the, the existence of the consultant. The self-justification what... of most corporate decisions is the thing that just makes me irate about corporate life and how yeah. things are handled at that level. So she gets a little out over her skis, though, because she is kind of villain monologuing about how she picked a ship where the captain left for lower decks behind on a satellite for six hours as a ship that is primed to fail rigged tests and mm -hmm. justify her continued existence. But as she's saying this, she's standing in front of the scoreboard, which still has Boimler working through his test. And he's gotten... He's which gotten should score. also have Stevens back there working yeah, through his. Yeah, it should have Stevens. <laughs> naked encounter. Yeah. Uh, right next to Boimler, board encounter, both 98%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God, what is a 100% score in the Naked Now test? Is that just getting everyone off? Every hole. Every hole, total satisfaction, total stamina. Utter release <laughs> by all members of the crew. Simultaneous release. Oh, wow. <laughs> a very high bar. I think Stevens can do it. Yeah. I mean, you look at him riding Ransom. I mean, he's doing that for Ransom, not Stevens. Not for Steven. Steven's good given in game. Yeah. So yeah, Boimler is still in there and uh, he is just about at 100% when they radio him and they're like, hey, buddy, we need you to back off finishing the, the game because we need to buy some time right now. If we can buy some time, uh, we might not all get fired and sent to other commands. And so... Boimler now has to watch his score go down to 99% as a million Borgs fix their attention on him. Shari Bing Bang is trying to screw us, but she can't until your drill is over. Just keep Borging! I'm on it. Resistance is futile. <sighs> Freeman and Mariner march up to the bridge while Sherry Yen Yem tries to beg them off of it. Yeah, I mean, and in as much as the episode where Boimler punches Mariner made you feel a certain way, I wonder when I was watching this episode how you would feel about this 
scene of scare blackmail that happens here. What they do basically is they put Char Yenyeb in the back of a moving car and they drive recklessly throughout the galaxy as a way to coerce her into giving them a passing grade. Like Two-Face shooting the driver of the car. <laughs> like my mind went in a bunch of ways. Like how do you solve this problem? Is it space Sherry Yenyeb and throw her iPad out with her mm-hmm. or what? But what they're doing is demonstrating... Their competence, they're kind of anomaly edging. Like the first thing they do is find a crystalline entity that's consuming a planet and let the ship get caught in some kind of vortex. And they are to a space anomaly what the Titan crew is to a space battle. Like they are Great call. chill in the face of danger of this particular type. And it's Charyeb's inexperience in these moments that that is frightening it's not that they are in true danger it's that she's never experienced this before yeah and the these sequences were some of my favorite in the episode i I was kind of surprised that they allowed the cartoon crystalline entity to look better in render than the one in the live action show this is such a trend that i think really merits more discussion by us but like this show is beautiful this season and it really comes down to the details like in that cold open the reflections off of their helmets in that scene was amazing all of the interstitial shots of the cerritos in between scenes it's not just ship flying through space it's a beautiful nebula in the background and some and some nice lighting cast on the ship like it is a really great looking season and every episode is providing a scene that like if all you had to do was look at the show and not experience the show as a story it would still be very satisfying yeah i think that this was maybe something that they figured out is the episode crisis point yeah crisis yeah. point is the one where where in season 1 mariner writes writes a movie mm-hmm. and they and they really lean into the aesthetic of the Star Trek films specifically. Mm-hmm. And like this episode is su- such a potpourri of different references so they can really like explore the aesthetics of a lot of things. And I mean, they get they get Alex Krieg to come do a, a guest star as the Borg Queen in... Uh, I can do better. Again, hit me. They get Alice Krieg to uh, come do a voice <laughs> role as, uh, as the Borg Queen. And they they nailed the aesthetic of this. Yeah. Time and time again, I think we're reminded just how important lighting is in the visual language of Star Trek and how purely by how a set is lit, you are put into a place and time inside Star Trek. And this is a show that understands that visual language utterly. Yeah. Because whether you're on a Borg ship or you're on the refit, constitution at the end of the the second star trek film it all looks perfect and it's because of the cartoon lighting my favorite gag in this episode was in the canteen all of the crew just kind of like nonchalant observing the crystalline entity situation out the window and when yeah. the when the ship escapes you get that feeling of like, oh, thank God they escaped. And then you see what anybody else on the ship cares about that. And it's 0.0%. 
and you realize that all of this is being done for Sherry Yenyem's benefit, and it wasn't enough. They have to go do another anomaly. I think you also understand that with a pattern of that kind of experience over the course of years, the bridge crew was lamenting how different it is to experience an emergency from a lower decks perspective and how that pattern might be grooved in a person in such a way where you look out a window and you see something super fucked up and then you turn your attention back to your meal. You see, you see giant commander ransom head out the window and it's like, no, I'm in the middle of an argument with my best bud. I got to resolve this. Yeah. Sherry Yen Yen cries uncle at the second anomaly that they go to and agrees to set their, Results to a passing grade of 100%. Yeah, they won. They beat her. I'll be sure to put that in my report. <laughs> when Char Yenyeb is on the ground, did you notice that her legs have tiny arms? <laughs> I did see that. That was great. Yeah. I don't know why that is. <laughs> yeah, weird. Maybe her leg parts need those tiny arms to hold the torso part to those legs. Yeah. But then shouldn't there also be tiny arms coming out of the neck? I mean, that's what your real arms are for, Ben. You just use your real arms to hold your head on. Oh, that makes sense. That's what I think. I'm not a Pandronian, so I don't know. I don't know these things. Yeah. So back with Boimler, it's time to get him out of the box now that they don't need him to keep his program going anymore. It's too late. He's been full on assimilated. (laughs) I mean, if you're stuck on a Borg cube... With enough time, this is going to happen. This is a foregone conclusion. Yeah. He is now excretus of Borg. And once he's out of the chamber, he is Rutherford style haunted by his experience. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he had like holographic implants in him that were... Because he's like, it takes him a while to adjust to the fact that he doesn't have the ability to or need to assimilate anyone. (laughs) Have you ever played Tetris for hours? And then yeah. when you stop playing Tetris, your entire field of view like feels like it's falling all the time. Yeah. I wonder if that's sort of what Boimler is feeling. Like it's got to take a minute for him to feel normal after this. He feels like I did after that summer where I didn't do anything but play StarCraft on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, uh, many parts of him still feel Zerg. Spawn more overlords. The button on the episode is in that Cerritos bar. We learn Char Yenyeb has retired. Mariner says it feels good ruining a jerk's career. I'm not proud to say that I do enjoy when bad things happen to bad people. <laughs> so I was I was happy to hear that Char Yenyeb has left the, the business. Yeah, Char Yenyeb started a Patreon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out, Char Yenyeb. But they've been rewarded, Adam. They get they get one of the nice replicators that the uh, upper deckers get to enjoy. It's got the lobster mac with the bread topping. It's got the pesto. This is huge. Yeah. This is huge for the betas. I like how the positives of this experience seem to be semi-permanent at this point. There's an appreciation that goes both ways here. Yeah. That uh, makes me wonder if it's going to last. But for Fingers now, crossed. it's a pretty happy end to the episode. Outside of Boimler still remaining haunted from his experience. <laughs> I love how they tag the very end of this episode almost as an afterthought. Oh, they took everything that I was. 
Maybe he needs to talk to Dr. McLemo for a little bit. Something that happened to him in a holodeck is even worse than what happened to Rutherford when he talked to Shax. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Well, after talking to me about this episode, Ben, did you like this episode? I did. I think maybe I'm a little bit further down the esteem for this episode ranking than you are. And I think that the pub quizness of it did maybe get a little thick for me. Mm-hmm. You don't and like I a don't, thick quiz. I know that. It was it, it was a bit of a thick quiz, and <laughs> I'm not against that. I don't not enjoy when this show references other stuff. I think that I'm just waiting for the one that feels like it actually hits the ones that I would if I were in the driver's seat. Oh, you're talking about a vanity quiz. I think I'm more interested in a quiz that I don't know all the answers to. And I feel like maybe what they're going for on this show is when they are dropping a reference, they want it to be either you get it or you don't know that it's a reference. And I'm sure that there's a million references that I'm missing and not realizing it. But I think that there's something really fun about being asked a question that you're like, oh, I know I know this, but I don't I can't put my finger on it. Right. And I'm, I never get that feeling from this show. Because you have all the answers. Maybe. Or maybe it's just that the questions are being selected very specifically. You and- know what? But but there's such a spectrum to this, Ben, because like this could so easily be a fucking Wayans Brothers spoof movie where it's yeah. just totally referential in the lowest hanging fruit kind of way. How dare you? The Wayans yeah. Brothers are way better than that. Well, I mean, I'm talking about like like the scary movie family of of products, you know? Like Sure. The the post the post Wayans something movie. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not talking about Wayans. Did I miss Hit me again. Hit me. I'm talking about <laughs> post Wayans Brothers films that are that are like ripping off 300 and Wait a uh, second, Adam. Are you saying this is Trek movie? Cuz those are our friends, Adam. <laughs> That's a good website where you can go for breaking Star Trek news. I have great affection for my friends at Trek Movie. Give me a fucking break. (laughs) I do shows with my friends at Trek Movie. I know. Yeah, I've never been invited to, but you have. Yeah. Why is that? Weird. They should have known that uh, they could have gotten a greatest gen host that had pants in his luggage. (laughs) You hit that one right on the screws, man. (laughs) That was a fucking seed. <laughs> I thought it was a very funny episode and a very uh, a very fun story. And I think that's where I'll leave it. But this this is your favorite episode ever. So I want you to talk about that. I mean, this was like, in terms of Star Trek as a place, this gave us so much of that integration of the many places that make up that place, right? Yeah. In terms of like place density. (laughs) And I've got to believe there is a half an hour on the cutting room floor for this episode where we do get to see all of our tertiary characters going through their missions. They had to have a list of simulations that was... 50 deep. And I would love to know for this episode more than maybe any other, what all the alts were. 
I yeah. really feel like as a as a creative exercise, this had to be one of the most fun episodes to make because it's not just talking about items like in the pub trivia episode a couple episodes ago, but it's like scenario based mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that is so attractive to the way we think about Star Trek, the way you and I think about Star Trek, because like the base stuff for most of our humor is the what if kind of stuff that we come up with and like what if when there you, was also a dick there right the base of our humor <laughs> right and like i i've just rarely felt as much envy for being in the room as i have when i think about how they broke this episode this just seemed like the most fun and like the idea of having a ton of good stuff and winnowing it down into this is like something we've never done on any of our episodes like fat lean it's all in there (laughs) that's not what we're editing for (laughs) but this is a lean and mean episode of lower decks and it was so efficiently funny to me it was just a bullseye right on my funny bone ben wow well do you want to see if uh, anything in the priority one inbox is ready to hit you adam oh yeah priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel just one p1 today and it is of a promotional nature adam Goes like this. Check out Universe Journey, part of It's All Been Done Radio Hour podcast, a modern, geeky, scripted comedy series in the style of old-timey radio serials performed live in front of an audience. Whoa. Universe Journey has six full seasons and a musical available, so subscribe to their comedy podcast. It's All Been Done Radio Hour, a, a show that may or may not be named after a Bare Naked Ladies song. <laughs> That's fun. Wait uh, a second. We were on this show, Adam. We got blown out an airlock on this shit. I'm I'm looking through old recordings of us right now. Wow. We did this. We're we're in this somewhere. Hit me. Go listen. Again. I really regret bringing up the bare naked ladies. <laughs> <laughs> really screwed this up big time for James Daly of the yeah. It's All Been Done Radio Hour podcast. It's the podcast you should be listening to, but uh, uh, thank you for getting a P1. And uh, if you'd like one, dear listener, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Wide open slate here on The Greatest Discovery. You can get it, you can get it on air almost immediately. Yeah, you can get to the front of the line. It's not going to be like that party on the star base where there's a doorman yeah. no doorman to the no P1s doorman. of the They'll greatest discovery right in. yeah hey ben what's that adam did you discover yourself in edward larkin stevens <laughs> wow Ste- stevens is having the most fun in this episode he can't tell where he ends <laughs> and begins. without getting too detailed it is pretty fun to just sit on someone (laughs) (laughs) i see you stevens wow that's pretty fun taking notes adam (laughs) (laughs) i do not want that brought up in any kind of post-show receiving line yeah with a friend of desoto don't want to talk about it no (laughs) that sounds bad (laughs) Wow. Well, um, the next episode. Hey, of- do you want to know what my Edward Larkin is, Ben? Oh, I thought I thought you were agreeing. I'm I'm sorry. Hit, Hit me, me again. again. I said again. That conversation that Horny Rutherford and Horny Billups have in the Mirror Universe about torture making them horny. 
was so funny to me and so efficiently funny too that I just fucking loved it. That is a, a perfect scene to me. Eugene Cordero's voice performance very different for mm-hmm. his MU rev. Yeah. Yeah. That was big time fun. I I'm glad they didn't overplay the mirror universe stuff. Like that I think that would have been a it would have been a very easy thing to put them all in pods that took them to the mirror universe, for example. Yeah. But nice distribution of scenarios here. I agree. Well, Adam, the next episode of Lower Decks is season two, episode nine, Wedge <laughs> What? Weimler tries. What is that? Wedge What? Wes? Wes does? Wedge Dudge. Wedge? Ankylosaur. W E J. D-U-J. That sounds like a Polish appetizer. <laughs> I would I would love a uh, a pint and uh, a wedge dash for the table. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. It's just sweet potato fries. It's just beef tallow. <laughs> uh, the description is as follows. Boimler tries to find a bridge buddy while the USS Cerritos crew has downtime during a long warp trip. All right. Does you want to listen to that episode next week? I doge. <laughs> well, uh, I'm looking forward to that coming out. Yeah, and I'm too. also looking forward to some really splendid credits at the end of this episode. Buckle up. These credits are going to feel like uh, a naked Ben sitting on your back <laughs> <laughs> until the end of the episode. It'll be great. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. If you haven't already heard our other Star Trek podcast, give The Greatest Generation a try. It's like saying, again, hit me, but for subscribing to Star Trek podcasts. Over at podshop.biz, you can get coffee mugs for your beverages, challenge coins for your pockets, and t-shirts for your torso. That URL one more time is podshop.biz. Our music is by Adam Ragusia, who will teach you some great new recipes on YouTube. Just search Adam Ragusia. At Greatest Trek is where you find us on Instagram and Twitter, and those accounts are run by our buddy Bill Tilly. The listeners of this show make it possible. If you want to support, head to MaximumFun.org slash join, where your membership gets you access to tons of bonus content. You're going to love it. See you next time on The Greatest Discovery. I'm sure that episode will have a lot less slapping and butts. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.